Hey, guess what? It's time for making kayfabe with your hosts, Bryce and Dylan. Hello there, you're listening to Making Kayfabe, the podcast where two writers fantasy book some of wrestling's biggest mistakes and most glaring missed opportunities. My name is Bryce, I'm joined by my co-host and good friend Dylan, and today you're listening to our third episode of Season 6, where we fantasy book the feud that nearly happened between the legendary Mick Foley and, at the time, a relatively unknown Dean Ambrose. And uh, speaking of legendary and relatively unknown, Dylan is here. How are you doing, Dylan? Hi, thank you for that introduction. You are both of those things. Legendary and... Relatively unknown. Relatively unknown. So people don't know how great I am. No. No. But the people who do, it relatively means not completely. So it's like, the people who do know you know how legendary you are. Yeah, all four. Yeah, all four. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, all four of you. And they're all listening today, so hello, hello, four people. Uh, (laughs) Two two of them are you and me. Yeah. Don't tell them that. Uh, but so yeah, this is a this is a story I got excited about during the the break between season five and six. So I always knew there was a feud planned between McFoley and Dean Ambrose, mm-hmm. and uh, like at the time, like not to sound like a total hipster or anything, but I I legitimately was a fan of Dean Ambrose before he was cool. You know, uh, uh-huh. like, I, I didn't. Yeah, 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 hipster. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Like I, I didn't, I didn't know him as John Moxley in CCW at that point, but it was a kind of weird part of my wrestling fandom where I actually watched uh, Florida Championship Wrestling every week, yeah, at FCW, and I loved Dean Ambrose. Like, um, it was during his feud with Regal, and like I thought his character just kind of like jumped off the screen. His promos were absolutely incredible. So, yeah. like when I heard of him entering a feud with Mick Foley, I was very excited and. In between seasons, I read John Moxley's autobiography, and he actually has an entire chapter uh, dedicated to this feud. And Ooh. I'll get into that more in the catch up. But Dylan, did you hear much about this feud at the time? Um, back in kind of 2012, Christ, ten years ago. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Um, make it make it stop. Yeah, time goes too fast. Well, I had heard of this, and I believe. You and me have talked about this before as mm-hmm. well, which shows everybody just like how legit, like, you know, you have thought about this. We have talked about yep. this. This is a real thing. Goes way back. Yep, yep, yep. And I was aware of this because I am a big McFoley fan. You are. Yes, McFoley's my favorite wrestler of all time. Even more so than Stevie Richards. I was just about to say, like, what the hell? I mean, <laughs> why, why is Dr. Stevie getting snubbed here? He didn't get thrown out the hell in the cell, did he? I mean, there's still time. He would. If you asked him to, he would, He would, you know. Uh, well, we asked him to be on the show, and he's like, I can't do that. He's always on the show. He's on the show yeah. two seasons ago. Well, uh, ish. And we had to pay him. We, we, we had to pay him to do it, but yeah, he was on the show. <laughs> yeah, but like, how much are we going to have to pay him to go through that cell, you know? I mean, at least double. I don't have that kind of cash. At least, at least 40 pounds, yeah. <laughs> I don't got that kind of scratch, you know. But I had heard about this because, you know, I love me some McFoley. And I think about the time this news came out, Dean Ambrose was more established. You know what I mean? Like I think this kind of came out after the fact, right? Um, I mean, not 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 particularly. Um, like this was this was pre Shield. Um, this was like you know. Well, the idea before. was, but but hearing about the story, I think hmm. I, I certainly heard about it once he was kind of more established, and I was like, oh, that would have been cool. Ah, right, I'm with you. You know what I mean? Like uh, I heard about the story after. But right, gotcha. I would have been like, you know, that that would have been cool. But at the same time, 
you know, Mick Foley in 2012 is a very different Mick Foley from 1998. You know? you're, you're talking about uh, former TNA heavyweight champion Mick Foley right now. Uh, we are, yes. And that's, I think we can all agree <laughs> that when we saw him in TNA, we're like, okay, he went a little too far. You know, mm, mm, maybe mm. you should have retired five years ago. That was just before this uh, this whole thing went down. Uh, so, you know, that, that was his... Um, I was looking at his cage match history and, like, you know, right up to his <laughs> third last match was TNA. So, yeah, it's very, very close to the end of old, uh, old hardcore legend. And it's a shame because I think that feud would have been awesome. It would have been crazy. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, Mick Foley has gone through an awful lot. Yeah, he's, fe- he's gone through an awful lot of cells. He fell off a cell, then he went through the cell in the same match yep. because why not? You know, been through a few tables it, in his time. He got set on fire in the King of the Death match, I think, or lost his ear. But yes, he lost his ear. Um, lost some teeth. He lost his teeth. He uh, he's he's had a real real tough time. Like that's why him and Ambrose would be super cool because Ambrose John Moxley used to be a bit of a death match wrestler. He still is now, and. That they could have really played up a good story there, but I think the problem was just Mick Foley couldn't have gone. Yeah, he couldn't have performed the way that that storyline would have um, kind of demanded. You know, um, you're you're not wrong. You're not wrong at all. Um, I'll, I'll go into that a bit in the catch up, but yeah, this is um, that is something we have been speaking about for a long time. In fact, I'm pretty sure now you mention it. Like when we first thought of making kayfabe, like we each came up with like. 10 episodes each that we, we could do and then yeah, I'm pretty sure this was one of them for I, me. I'm pretty sure uh, you did yeah. mention this like way back. This is the... right back at the start right yeah. back at the start yeah and just I don't know why it's taken 6 seasons to get around to it but it was just like like I said like during the break between season 5 and 6 I was reading Mox the autobiography and just that kind of like kickstarted something in me saying I, I would love to book this because like in that book they, Mox like talks about the kind of ideas for the feud and what, what everyone was kind of like vaguely planned to be like so um, you know what I've done here is like taking some of those and filled in the cracks and just like explored what could have happened in the story so and yeah it just would have been an iconic feud to be mm. honest like, a great way to debut Ambrose in the main roster but also interesting to worry uh, to wonder but you know this would have been Dean Ambrose without the shield so you know it's an interesting concept to think about how he could have been different you know yeah I think it would have been a really good way like you said a really good way to debut Ambrose and get him immediately noticed you know and of course, anything with Mick Foley in it, I'm happy enough, you know. That's it, yeah. Anything with Foley is gold, usually. Yeah-ish, um, yeah. unless you're watching TNA. Uh, yeah, unless he's matches with Flair and TNA, but you know what I mean. So, But right, <laughs> before we get into the <laughs> before we get into the actual booking of this, uh, you know, could have been legendary feud, how about we go into the brief history of it all? Let's do it. Let's do it. So, Mick Foley and Dean Ambrose almost had a feud once, and it never happened. All right, that's the history. Let's fantasy book Mick Foley and Dean Ambrose. What a great episode. Right, another one in the books. (laughs) In all seriousness. Um, So, yeah, there is a bit uh, of intriguing story to this. So, mentioned earlier about reading John Mox's autobiography. Um, And and first off, hell of a read. I don't know if you've uh, read it yet, Dylan. Have you been through it? Not yet, but I really want to. 
Would recommend definitely. Yeah. Um, like go going out of your way to read it. Uh, it's, it's very entertaining. It's not like a, it's not like a standard autobiography where it's like uh, they start when they're a kid and it ends to the current day. Like Moxley just kind of like jumps around stories. Like he'd be talking about like CZW in this chapter, and then suddenly he'll be in like AW. Then suddenly it's like he's doing the G One and like all this stuff. So it's like quite quite interesting. You just kind of like writes it as it comes to him. I think uh, from memories. But yeah. Anyway. There's a chapter on his, you know, could have happened feud with McFoley. So let me set the scene. So it's late March of 2012, and McFoley is at an event in Miami, Florida, uh, promoting WrestleMania 28. And there's a video of this, um, which you can see on YouTube. But essentially, McFoley is is casually chatting with some fans at the event. About 50 seconds into the video, he gets interrupted by Dean Ambrose from SCW, who gets in Mick's face. And by the way, this is obviously, like I said, pre-Shield, so Ambrose has not yet debuted with Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns, but yeah, Ambrose in this video blames Foley for ruining a generation and being responsible for destroying the lives of many teenage kids, and he claims that a lot of his friends are dead because of their attempts to follow in Foley's footsteps, you know, Foley needs to be held accountable and he should be labelled as a criminal for everything he's done. Ambrose then gets pulled away as Foley demands to know what accountable means in his book and already I feel like you've got a a really seriously interesting story here. I mean, just briefly, Ambrose, as you mentioned earlier, Dylan was a deathmatch wrestler in CCW under the name John Moxley and uh, deathmatch wrestling and I hope I'm not going too far to say this but I feel that it owes a lot to Foley and the battles he's had against the the Terry Funks and the the Anitas of the world and Foley popularised the notion of putting yourself through a lot of crazy shit in an effort to win matches during the Attitude Era, you know, as, as you mentioned, getting thrown off the sail, taking unprotected cheer shots to the head, all that fun stuff. Um, and Dean Ambrose's point here is that basically from all these teenage kids idolising McFoley, there were a few who idolised him to the point of imitating him, so... These kids were throwing themselves off roofs, they were wrapping themselves in barbed wire, falling on thumbtacks, etc. because they wanted to be cool like McFoley. Of course, McFoley never, never said anyone should fall in his footsteps like that, which is, you know, what would have made this story uh, great. You know, Foley is the, the clear babyface here, obviously, but there is some notion of truth to the argument that he poisoned a generation of kids who looked up to him by putting himself through insane amounts of pain. And Dean Ambrose is basically here to hold Mick Foley accountable for what he influenced these kids to do. So, super interesting, super intriguing. And um, apparently, according to the book Mox, it literally um, worked some of the guys in the back uh, too, so were some of the actual wrestlers because um, the video itself um, that, that, that's what I was going to say actually, the video itself it's not filmed like a, a WWE like production kind of thing, it literally is somebody holding up their fucking flip phone from 2012 and filming it like a, like a fan filming it, so like that's how it seemed like more legit, you know mm-hmm. um, but full, uh, Moxley writes in his book about how uh, Mark Henry was speaking with people in catering and uh, here is what Mark Henry apparently said about the incident. So this, this is a quote from quote from the book. You hear about Foley last night, man? Some motherfucker came up to him in the lobby talking about how he ruined a generation and he needs to be held responsible <laughs> or some damn thing. They got that motherfucker out of there. Lucky I wasn't there. I'd have slapped the shit, capital letters, out of that stupid motherfucker. It's good to see that Mark Henry follows the WWE product. 
Yeah, <laughs> but but that's at the time that that's it. So the thing that I, I don't think's been understood that, that this was not on WWE TV. This was literally a YouTube video uploaded where Dean Ambrose confronted Mick Foley just totally randomly. So it was never on Raw. It was never on SmackDown. It was never on a pay per view. It was literally just a, a confrontation, like at a fan event. So don't like, you social- wonder yeah. why people don't do that more? Like I know why WWE don't do that more because they want to make sure that you know it looks professional and they get it on every tv and whatever but like somewhere like aw if they did little bits like that where it looks like somebody's filming on their phone or something like this and and not in the arena somewhere outside like it looks like it's kind of on the street or whatever you it could be all a work obviously but if you make it look like it's a shoot yeah like it looks more homegrown and then people will be like wow is that real you know what i mean like exactly it's such a simple little touch but it it really makes a difference. You're you're totally right, and it should be done way more in wrestling. Like yeah. uh, you know, because uh, obviously, like you know, you need that kind of like almost that doubt in wrestling sometimes. Like, is this a worker? Is it you know? Because people people still question that all the time. Like, there's a couple of things going on in the world of wrestling right now. The whole Sasha Banks Naomi thing. Like, people are still thinking, yeah. is that a work? Is that a work? And it's I don't think it is. But yeah, pretty sure uh, it's not a work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty pretty sure it's not. And like, obviously, like the, the Kota Ibushi thing and stuff like that, which obviously isn't a work again. But people are still there's still people thinking on Reddit, oh, maybe this is all a big kind of like planned thing. So, but like wrestling fans tend to like cling on to that sense of doubt i think and just like they want that in their stories they want some realism to it you know right. so um so i guess that's what this what this was and but the feud didn't really go much further beyond that video at the wrestlemania a, a promotional event um at least as far as on screen goes so dean ambrose was instructed to keep things heated on twitter so fcw is uh the florida championship wrestling promotion that he worked for they they made him a twitter account and basically instructed him to talk about uh, talk shit about Mick Foley on there, and um, Ambrose started posting videos of backyard wrestlers nearly killing themselves with the <laughs> hashtag ha- hashtag thanks Mick, uh, which is very clever, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was an awkward moment which almost led to the breakdown of the feud, and this is sort of hard to describe, but I'll give it a go. So. Essentially, Ambrose and Foley were asked to work the boys. So, e.g., find more gullible people like Mark Henry uh, and convince them that there was real heat between Ambrose and Foley. So, a work shoot, basically, but only for the viewing of wrestlers and crew, if that makes sense. So, at a SmackDown taping, McFoley confronts Dean Ambrose in front of the entire locker room and he chews him out about what Ambrose has been tweeting, you know, specifically saying, Do not talk about my family. And Ambrose was then sent to London, basically to show that he was, like, sent away for insubordination or something. But here's where shit gets really awkward. So it's it's an interesting story. So Dean Ambrose, because he was abroad, he was completely out of communication. He, He had a shitty, cheap phone, which didn't receive texts from the US. And when he was in London... He went to his hotel lobby, he found a computer, and he started tweeting shit about Mick's family, because that's what he thought he was supposed to do. Because, you know, in this work shoot for the boys kind of thing, Mick Foley said to him, do not talk about my family. So that's kind of like a, a, a kind of a, a blessing to talk about your family, right? That's kind of like a, you know, right. I want you to do this. But during that time, though, while Ambrose was abroad... Mick Foley was texting him saying that the angle was going great, but seriously, for real, please don't talk about my family. <laughs> so 
Of course, Ambrose wasn't getting these texts, so the tweets about Mick Foley's family kept being sent. And when Ambrose returned to the US, his phone started lighting up with messages from Mick Foley asking him what his fucking problem was. Uh oh. You know, Ambrose had no idea. He, he, he apologises profusely, telling Mick they hadn't received a single text while tweeting the family shit. And Mick obviously didn't know Ambrose. He initially just thought he was a total fucking asshole. But he understood and, and he gave the feud the green light once again. But after all that, with the whole feud like mapped out, in a total kick to the stones, Mick Foley didn't get medically cleared to work with Ambrose. And that was uh, apparently due to history with, with concussions, which, um, I mean, fair enough. Um, I hear he's had a, a fair few, so... Mm-hmm. The doctor said no, and it wasn't safe for him to be back in the ring. So, But Mick, Mick uh, actually tried to fight for the feud. He even suggested to the doctor that they plan the whole match around his leg. You know, like, just get Ambrose to work his leg. He'll take no bumps. But the doctor even turned that one down, so that was that. This feud, the, the feud which could have been so epic, was dead in the water. And that is a bloody shame. We did eventually get an on-screen interaction between Mick Foley and Dean Ambrose albeit four years later in 2016. In preparation for Dean Ambrose's match against Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania, McFoley appeared to give Ambrose a gift, which was a 2x4 wrapped in barbed wire. Uh, Barbie. But yeah, that was it. That was the only interaction Foley and Ambrose had after all of this. But hey, what if McFoley was medically cleared? What if instead of starting the Shield, Dean Ambrose debuted as a man looking to hold Mick Foley accountable for ruining a generation? I guess we're just going to have to find out as I fancy book the Mick Foley and Dean Ambrose feud from the spring of 2012. Alright, here we go. Now, in Moxley's book, he did drop a few hints about where this feud was going and what the plan was, so... With that in mind, I'm going to do my best to incorporate the ideas that Foley and Ambrose had for the programme. I'll I'll mention those as I go through this. I believe there's a couple of angles here which were legitimately planned for the feud. So, we start with the Ambrose and Foley confrontation, obviously. Um, that's going to go down the exact same way. Ambrose is going to confront Foley at the WrestleMania Access event. It'll get shared around places like Twitter and Reddit, and Mark Henry will get worked something rotten. But Post-WrestleMania 28, we're going to shine a light on the event, so we'll play the clip on Raw with the commentators putting over how the, the legendary Mick Foley was confronted by an independent wrestler named Dean Ambrose. They'll compliment Foley on how he handled the confrontation with grace and decorum, and then they'll move on with the show. But next week, somewhere through Monday Night Raw, an unexpected segment is going to play. After our match wraps up, we're going to do a fade into a vignette, with a a black background and none other than Dean Ambrose is going to walk onto screen. And Ambrose cuts a promo and I'm well aware that I could never do the great Dean Ambrose, John Moxley justice with writing his promos for him, but I'll do my damn best. So here's what he says. He says, Hi, my name is Dean Ambrose. You don't know me, but you don't need to. I don't need you to know me. I couldn't care less. I'm nobody. But what I do need you to know, however, is the truth about false idol McFoley. You need to know about how this man ruined the generation, literally, and how he refuses to apologise for it. So I saved up my pennies and I bought this advertising slot on Raw. I've only got enough money to afford one play, so make sure you're watching real close, 
you might learn something. And then it cuts to some home recorded footage, you know the type, like the, the ones that are recorded by like flip cams and it's got the little kind of white date and timestamp in the bottom right hand corner and potato quality kind of stuff. But anyway, the basis of this video is like kids getting hurt basically, uh, attempting to copy their idol McFoley. Uh, so Ambrose is going to narrate over this little mini documentary, you know, he's really going to lay it on fix. So he'll say something like, you know, this is little Georgie, 13 years old. He jumped off a roof and broke his ankle after he saw Mick Foley jump off his roof. Little Georgie wanted to be just like his idol, but now he's missing soccer practice for four months. Thanks, Mick. And then, this is Adam, age 15. He asked his friend to wrap him in barbed wire like his idol Mick Foley and <laughs> tore an artery. He almost died, but Mick Foley doesn't care. All Mick cares about is sitting in his big, plush house with his cute little family. Thanks, Mick. This is Toby, 14 years old. After watching King of the Ring 1998, he threw his little brother off the top of the garage. Toby didn't get to become a wrestler like Mick Foley because he's serving time in juvenile hall. Thanks, Mick. Ooh. So you get the gist of it, right? You can get even more ridiculous with it if you want, but like Dean Ambrose's message is like exceptionally serious. In a word, he's basically trying to defame the great Mick Foley. He's trying to turn for his fans, the WWE audience, against the man who earned the title of Hardcore Legends. So the fans boo the segment, but maybe, just maybe, there's something in the back of their minds asking, could all this be true? So next week, Mick Foley's going to appear on Raw. It's an interview segment, so there's the, the 2012 WWE interviewer interviewing him, which I meant to research and didn't go back to. Um, who, who was around at this time? Was it fucking Todd Grisham? Ah, uh, was it 2012? Mm. It, it seems like it would be in 2012, but I can't I think mean, of anyone else. It's your bucket. You could just make that... It's Todd Grisham. They brought Let's him back. He never left. Put in the fantasy, fantasy booking. Uh, so... Todd uh, Todd Grisham is asking McFoley, obviously, what his thoughts are on Dean Ambrose's paid-for ad last week. And Foley is going to sort of no-sell it. Like, he'll make a quick reference to what was said in that segment, but nothing more. It's water off a duck's back, he'll say. Ambrose isn't the first to say negative things about me. He certainly won't be the last. I'd consider suing him, just for the sheer hell of it, but... I know he has no money and he won't make any in this business with that kind of attitude. And Mick smiles and tells Todd that he isn't here tonight to address Dean Ambrose. No, he's here to make a special announcement. You see, this coming Saturday, this coming Sunday, will be Extreme Rules 2012 and there are two guys on that card who hate each other so much that you can't just put a normal man in the middle of it all. He's talking about Chris Jericho and CM Punk, who are due to fight for the WWE Championship at WrestleMania Backlash Extreme Rules, uh, aka Extreme Rules. So, <laughs> oh, didn't they fight in all of them? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, <laughs> like, it, maybe they did actually. Yeah, it wouldn't, they, wouldn't surprise they, me. Yeah, they fought at WrestleMania. They did. I was yeah. there. Yeah, I was at oh. that one. That was uh, the one I hello. Went to. <laughs> yeah. Um, very did, good match. Did you wave at CM Punk? Um, I waved, but I don't think he saw me. Oh. I was kind of in the nosebleed seats. So. Ah, yeah. fair enough. Shame, but uh, but yeah, so CM Punk and Chris Jericho is going to be taking place at Extreme Rules. So Foley announces that he has been appointed special guest referee for the match. Mick Foley will be refereeing the match between Chris Jericho and CM Punk at Extreme Rules. How nice. Hey Dylan, close your eyes. Okay. 
Now open them. All right. Surprise! We're in the future. It's ah. Extreme Rules 2012. Oh my god! I don't like it. Go back. <laughs> okay, we're back to roll. I'm we're scared. Back to roll. Oh, oh my god! God, I went to I went to the future a moment ago. Oh, it was so scary. What are you smoking? Bloody oh, hell. you know what uh, I'm smoking. <laughs> so you know um, how I said I'm going to incorporate some ideas that Foley and Ambrose legitimately had for the story. So this is one of them, according to John Moxley's book. So. At Extreme Rules, we're going to see uh, footage of McFoley driving into the arena. And as he parks his car, our good old uh, placeholder interviewer, Todd Grisham, uh, walks up to him with a microphone. And he asks Foley about tonight's match that he'll be refereeing, the CM Punk versus Chris Jericho match. And McFoley gives it the whole, you know, good guy special ref, saying he's going to call it right down the middle. The best man's going to walk out of the WWE Championship tonight. Todd Grisham walks away. And we cut back to Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler at the announced it. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. We cut back to the parking lot and Mick Foley is being assaulted by a hooded figure. The figure isn't hooded for long as he lays in frantic clubs to the face and back of Foley. Poor Mick Foley doesn't have a chance to defend himself. He was clearly attacked unawares from behind. So he is completely at the mercy of his attacker, who is, of course, Dean Ambrose. Dean Ambrose bangs Foley's head off the car bonnet a few times. He then grabs him by the back of his head, drags him onto the bonnet and crash. He drives Mick Foley's head through the front windscreen. Mick falls off the bonnet and onto the concrete floor of the parking lot where crimson red blood contrasts horribly with the grey concrete. Ambrose gets down in the concrete and whispers to Mick, Water off a duck's back, right? He then walks away. Needless to say, Mick Foley doesn't referee the WWE Championship match that night. He is rushed to hospital for immediate treatment of the deep wounds in his head from the windscreen. Later that night, CM Punk and Chris Jericho fight in the semi-main event, with the commentary team making many references to the heinous actions of Dean Ambrose. So, now you've got Dean Ambrose being name-dropped in a WWE Championship match. It's all about that exposure, so... By the way, as an aside, like I said, that part is meant to happen. Um, like, not the special ref part. I used my um, creative freedom a bit on there on that, but Mox says in his autobiography that he was due to debut at Extreme Rules 2012 and smash Mick's head through a car windshield. So yeah, there you go. That was apparently supposed to happen. Anyway, one thing WWE wanted to happen was the whole working the boys thing I mentioned in the catch-up. So we're going to announce that Dean Ambrose has been suspended indefinitely by his employer's Florida Championship Wrestling for what he did to Mick Foley at Extreme Rules. He's also barred from all WWE events until further notice. So should Ambrose show face at another event, the police will be called and he'll no doubt be locked up. So for the next few weeks, we're going to get very short segments, like 30 seconds to a minute long segments of Mick Foley recovering from the assault in hospital. You know, he he barely speaks in the videos. It's, it's actually his wife who has to speak for him from behind the camera. But every week that we see, we see that there's a, a little bit of progress in, in his conditions. So this is all to keep things fresh in the mind of the viewer. You know, Dean Ambrose may be quote-unquote suspended, but he sure as hell will be fresh in the mind of, of the fans as they consistently bear witness to what he did to Foley. The announcers are going to drive that home too. Dean Ambrose is a villain and he's earned nothing but disdain from the WWE and its audience. Anyway, a month has now passed. And on Monday Night Raw, we have a special sit-down interview with Mick Foley, who is appearing via satellite. 
and Jim Ross himself will be conducting the interview with the man he's known for decades. When Foley appears on the screen, he looks bind up, but, you know, he's, he's Mick Foley. He's got that big, lovely face, you know, the big warm smile. He shoots a thumbs up at the camera to show fans that he's okay, despite being the victim of a very serious assault from Dean Ambrose. Foley is, of course, asked about the incident and his thoughts on Dean Ambrose and his thoughts would probably surprise a fair few people in the audience. So Mick Foley is very open about the incident and actually says that he forgives Dean Ambrose for doing what he did. I mean, sure, he took a, a loving father away from his family for an entire month. That part Mick sure doesn't agree with, but there was a strange charm in what Dean Ambrose did to him at Extreme Rules. And yeah, charm's a funny word to use in a situation like this, but Foley feels that it's relevant because in doing what he did, Dean Ambrose sort of reminds Foley of himself. And Foley understands what Ambrose is trying to do. He knows what he's trying to achieve. He's trying to coax the 47-year-old hardcore legend out of retirement. Well, that ain't gonna happen. Mick Foley is retired. He has no want for another match, but he'll tell you what. Mick Foley has sent a message to WWE management giving Dean Ambrose his blessing to be unsuspended for what he did to Mick. He'll also give Ambrose his blessing to be hired by the WWE and put on the main roster. Hey, Dean Ambrose could be the next Mick Foley, who knows? And he hopes his fans will enjoy watching Ambrose on Monday Night Raw and promises that he will see them soon. And Mick thanks GR for the interview and it ends there. Later in the week, it's announced on WWE.com and social media that Dean Ambrose's suspension and ban from WWE events has been lifted. He's now under contract to WWE as talent. What an interesting development, right? That's all you have to do to get a contract for the WWE is to beat the shit out of McFoley. <laughs> we could do that. And then, get, <laughs> and then get his blessing, though. You have to get his blessing at the same time. What if we beat the shit out of him and he, he can't talk? I mean, we beat the shit out of him. We're really good at beating the shit out of him. Oh, how many times have we done that, honestly? And nobody was watching. Nope, not one person. Wouldn't it be, like, imagine if people were watching, then the readings would go through the roof. We really need to record this shit. Yeah, yeah. exactly. We really... We, you know all, all people all people know of us as podcasters, but we're, yeah. we're thugs, man. We're hooligans. Yeah. We, I mean, in retrospect, we really shouldn't have beaten the shit out of him so many times. No, I mean, I, I do feel bad about it. Yeah, but, I mean, two yeah. or three times was enough, you know? Yeah, but, and it didn't get us anything. It didn't get no. us a WWE contract. That's why no. we're sitting doing this podcast, yeah. Yep, yep. Well, I mean, it was fun, well. though. It was a good time. And, and yeah. Mick enjoyed it as well, right? So, yeah. I mean, I don't... It looked like he had a smile on his face. I don't know. It, it was unconscious, but yeah. I mean... Yeah, but... If he's smiling, he's he's fine, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he'll be okay. Um, anyway, so Ambrose is going to get some mic time on next week's Monday Night Raw. So uh, let's just say that all is good in the world and Ambrose gets as much time as he wants with no script where he gets to say whatever the hell he pleases. You know, it would never happen in WWE, but hey, they don't call it fantasy booking for nothing. So Dean Ambrose is furious. He's furious as he speaks into the microphone on Raw. He tells the fans how he is not happy to be here. He didn't come here to make money. He didn't come here to win titles. He didn't come here to hear the roar of the crowd. All he came to WWE for was to extract revenge on Mick Foley for all the wrong he has done to Ambrose's generation. And this whole Dean Ambrose may be the next Mick Foley bullshit... That had Ambrose bouncing off the walls when he heard it. Dean Ambrose may be like Mick Foley... 
but that is the furthest thing away you can possibly get from a compliment. It's an insult because the only way that Dean Ambrose is like McFoley is the way that Dean Ambrose sacrifices his body and does mindless things to win wrestling matches, and that's no positive. But it's how things are, because Mick Foley warped the mind of people like Ambrose and his peers. Foley was a bad influence, and now Ambrose is suffering the effects. And another thing, Mick Foley thinks Dean Ambrose wants a match against him, Dean Ambrose couldn't give a crap about having a match. This whole thing here, this isn't about Ambrose pinning Foley to the mat for the 1-2-3. Ambrose asked Foley to listen. To truly listen and understand because he isn't speaking in riddles. He tells Foley once again that he ruined a generation. Beating him in a match is not going to make that go away. No, Mick Foley needs to be held responsible. So Dean Ambrose is going to be that thorn in Mick's side until the very day that Ambrose decides that Foley has paid his dues. This ain't the last Mick Foley's heard of Dean Ambrose. Ambrose drops the mic and he leaves. And throughout the next week, Mick Foley takes to social media to share some screenshots from his phone. He's had a call from the same number more than every hour of every day consistently for the last week. The screenshot shows a blurred out number, but with evidence that it has called him 639 times since Monday Night Raw. Hmm. And with those 639 calls are, of course, 639 voicemails, where Dean Ambrose, surprise, surprise, leaves words of venom and fret. And Foley plays a few of them for his social media accounts, showing just how much of a freaking lunatic the Ambrose character is. On Monday Night Raw next week, more voicemails are played on air, and these voicemails are even more crazy. These voicemails show Ambrose demanding that Mick meets him on Monday Night Raw. He wants Foley to show his face so Ambrose can break his nose. He wants Foley to show face so Ambrose can gouge out his eyes. He wants Foley to show face so that Ambrose can take the claw end of a hammer and tear out whatever teeth Foley has left in there. Ambrose isn't done with Foley by a long shot. And on the same episode, we get a statement from Mick Foley via the commentary team. Foley, in his statement, reminds everybody that he is retired. He will not be answering Dean Ambrose's call to action. He's happy at home and is only going to make appearances in WWE on very special occasions. And as much as he may think he is, Dean Ambrose is not a special occasion. Next week's Raw is broadcast live from Amarillo, Texas. And Dean Ambrose, it's clear at this stage that his goal is to get Foley out of hiding, basically. Of course, Foley isn't hiding, per se, he's just retired, but Dean Ambrose sees Foley's reluctance to show up as an insult. Now, Dean can't legally hold Foley responsible for the atrocities to his generation, unless he's within the confines of a wrestling arena, of course. Anywhere else, it's just straight-up assault, as you and I know, Dylan. Mm-hmm. So Dean Ambrose's music hits on this episode of Monday Night Raw from Amarillo, Texas, and the fans prepare themselves for another scathing promo towards a hardcore legend, Mick Foley. They expected that, but they didn't expect this. They did not expect Dean Ambrose to appear at the top of the ramp, dragging a 68-year-old man named Terry Funk by the scruff of his shirt. Terry Funk, one of the most well-known names in the world of wrestling, Terry Funk, Mick Foley's mentor and best friend. Terry Funk, famously from Amarillo, Texas, where, as I mentioned, Raw is taking place tonight. So the crowd react in horror as Funk is dragged down to the ring and it's clear that he's already been through hell. 
his clothes are torn, skin is bruised, and he's got a, a very kind of glazed over look in his eyes. Ambrose throws the legend into the ring and grabs a microphone. He receives venomous boos from the crowd, and no wonder. Ambrose says, I guess my calls and voicemails didn't get your attention, Mick, so let me try something else. He rolls outside the ring, he fetches a steel chair. He sets it up in the middle of the ring in seated position, grabs Terry Funk and delivers his DDT finish, the Dirty Deeds, onto the chair. Terry Funk slowly peels off the chair and crumples onto the canvas below. Do I have your attention now, Mick? Ambrose asks. Listen to me, I will keep doing this. If you're too much of a coward to come out and face me yourself, then I will continue to hurt the ones you love. You think I'm done? I'm not done. I will make sure that the name Dean Ambrose does not leave your mind for one second. Look at this piece of trash. He doesn't belong in a wrestling ring anymore. So Dean picks up Terry Funk one more time. He has him by the back of the head and with absolutely no consideration for the near 70 year old safety, he throws Terry Funk head first over the top rope. Funk slams onto the, re- the arena floor below. Maybe to really sell the outrage from the fans, you can, you can get a plant in the crowd who jumps a barrier and tries to attack Ambrose, but obviously security will stop him. Ambrose is public enemy number one in Texas. How will Mick Foley respond? You should have Ambrose like beat the guy up to the plant. Mm, mm. That would that would be great because then somebody's like, because they're in Texas, somebody's like defending the, the honor and the name of Terry Funk, and then oh, dude, Ambrose yeah. beats that guy up too, and then that shows everybody that he's not messing around here, you know. Dude, like you just give me another idea based on top of that. So the fan gets in the ring, Ambrose attacks him and puts the fucking mandible claw on him. Yeah, like that, that would make sense as well. Let's let's that that is now the lore that happened. Yeah, <laughs> we'll that, that's quite good. Let's <laughs> pretend you wrote that. Yeah, I, I came up with that all by myself. <laughs> well, cut the other bit out where I suggested. Yeah. <laughs> what? Do I, do, okay, do it again. Yeah. <laughs> no, good idea, mate. Good idea. I was gonna like play. I'm like, great idea, Bryce. But yeah, just <laughs> thanks for saying that. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> uh, right, right, next week. We once again get Mick Foley live via satellite. And of course, he addresses Dean Ambrose and what he did to, t- to Terry Funk last week in Amarillo. Once again, though, his response may be somewhat surprising, just like when Mick Foley gave his blessing for Ambrose to be hired by WWE. So Foley says that Terry Funk is his mentor and best friend. He's known him for decades and respects him hugely, so yeah, he wishes Ambrose didn't do what he did, but also, let's be serious. Terry Funk hasn't gone a day of his life without some kind of beating. Mick Foley addresses Ambrose and says, For you, you got to beat up the legendary Terry Funk in an effort to get a rise out of me. But for Terry Funk, it was Monday. You're not getting to me, Dean. You will not get to me. Not with smashing my head through a car windscreen. Not through blowing up my phone. Not through assaulting my heroes. So stop now. Save your breath. The promo ends there, with Mick Foley making it extra clear that Ambrose will not get to him. Mick's skin is super tough. He's seen hundreds of guys like Ambrose come and go over the years. He will not budge. He is retired. But then, shit gets real. Next week, shit gets really, really real. Next week, Dean Ambrose is not in the arena. He's not in the arena because he's in Long Island, New York. Does that place ring any bells to you, Dylan? 
Long Island, New York. Well, I would have to hazard because that is the hometown of hardcore legend Terry Funk. Oh wait, yeah. no, uh, no, that was those taxes. You're wasn't so it? close. You're those so taxes. close. Some kind of hardcore legend, isn't it? It's uh, it's Dean Ambrose. Oh no, that's not. That's not right either. Something to do with hardcore guys, isn't it? You're right. It's a home of hardcore legend Mick Foley. Thanks, Dylan. Ah, uh, I knew it was somebody. <laughs> um, Dean Ambrose, he has a camera crew and seems to be on a, a large property in Long Island. And he opens a segment by addressing the camera. So he says, You know, I still don't think Mick Foley understands what I'm saying here. I don't know why he thinks I'm telling lies when I say I'm going to hold him accountable or that I'm going to stop anytime soon. I told Foley that I will continue to hurt the ones he loves and well, if Terry Funk ain't going to be the final straw, I guess I'll have to up the ante a bit. Uh-oh. Welcome to the Foley family home in Long Island. Now, I'll quickly say, I swear... I had this part written before your Cody Rhodes became last week. <laughs> it's Triple H going to be in this like eating, It's just Triple H getting fed pudding by <laughs> Stephanie. Yeah. And they're like, why is Triple H here? <laughs> uh, it has similarities to that part, your, uh, that part of your Cody booking, but it's not exactly the same by any stretch. But yeah, I, f- I found it funny last week when you're talking about that. I'm like, shit, <laughs> that's, a, that's an integral part of my story. It's a bit, it's a bit that like, you don't, you don't see it on TV anymore, but we remember very fondly. We're like, that's a great way to get heat. Um, so we're just like, it's, it's we love co- a good home invasion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, tell you what, this isn't. Yeah, this isn't actually a home invasion. So you'll see how this plays out. So, uh, anyway, Ambrose goes to knock on the door, but there's no answer, and he rings the doorbell and he waits patiently, but nothing. So you can see Ambrose is trying to keep it a calm demeanour, but also you can see he's having a hard time keeping it all together and not just kicking down the door to Foley's home. As he continues to ring the doorbell, a car pulls into the driveway, which obviously attracts Ambrose's attention. Ambrose beckons the camera to follow him as he approaches the car. The camera crew do as they're told, even though surely even they can sense that something awful is about to go down. When Dean Ambrose approaches the car, three people exit. Mick Foley's wife, daughter and son. No Mick. They all stare at Ambrose in abject fear, keeping their distance from the madman. They are all on one side of the car, whereas Ambrose stares back at them from the other side. Mick's wife asks Ambrose, what is he doing here? And Ambrose just replies, Is the man of the house home, darling? (laughs) Mick's wife, daughter and son grab shopping bags as quickly as they can. They've clearly just been to the supermarket. Ambrose asks, hey, you guys need a hand with those at all? And the family ignore him and frantically start to power walk towards the safety of their home, keeping their distance as far from Dean Ambrose as possible. But Ambrose, he blocks their path. They all look at him with fear in their eyes, wondering what this unpredictable maniac will do next. Ambrose addresses them with nothing but calm in his voice. He raises his hands cautiously as if he means no harm whatsoever and says, I'm not going to hurt you. I only have one request. Please tell Mick that I was here, won't you? And the family rush past him. They enter through the front door and they slam it shut. 
We hear the sound of multiple locks and bolts being turned, securing the door from anything else Dean Ambrose may be thinking about doing. Ambrose smiles at the camera. He speaks. Wow, those people were so rude. Manners cost nothing these days, you know. Mick, you should teach your family some common courtesy because that was embarrassing. I did not feel welcomed at all. The segment ends there. Has Dean Ambrose finally done too much? I guess we'll have to find out next week. Hey, Dylan, close your eyes. No, I don't want to do it again. <laughs> close your eyes, goddammit. Oh, okay. Okay, open them. All right. We're at Extreme Rules again. Oh, Duh! my God. <laughs> Put it back. Why does this keep happening to me? Always Extreme Rules 2012 as well. I can, never go, I can never go to sleep again. Every, every dream, extreme every, it's always extreme rules all the time. <laughs> okay, in all seriousness, we're on Raw next week, so don't worry about it. Okay. Um, we're on Raw next week, so it turns out the answer is yes. Dean Ambrose has finally done too much. Dean Ambrose comes out to open the show and once again to cut a defamatory promo about McFoley and holding him responsible for ruin, ruining the lives of so many children. He gets about two minutes into his promo before the hardcore legend himself appears on the Titantron, once again via satellites. And Mick Foley is not his bright, cheery, friendly self. Oh no, absolutely not. He sits in a barely lit room as he tells Dean Ambrose exactly what he thinks of him. He tells Ambrose that yeah, he crossed a line last week. In fact, he didn't just cross the line, he crossed the line, turned around and pissed all over it. Ambrose made a big mistake last week. He involved Mick's family, the one thing that Mick advised him privately not to do. And now, now Foley has to make Ambrose regret it. Mick shouts at Ambrose, you do not involve my family, you do not threaten my family, you do not approach my family's home. I'm even disappointed in WWE for allowing a goddamn camera crew to follow you to my home, but I'll address that with them another time. Ambrose, you don't know who you're screwing with right now. You are not screwing with Mick Foley, the professional wrestler. Quite frankly, you're you're screwing with a man who will do anything to protect his family and home, so I guess, Ambrose, I guess you got your wish. I'm going to come and kick your ass, you son of a bitch. I'm going to make you wish you never came here. I kind of wish... Sorry to interrupt, but whenever he, whenever he was like, you're not dealing with Mick Foley anymore, I thought you were going to be like the old Triple H thing where he's like, you're not dealing with Mick Foley anymore, you're dealing with Cactus Jack. <laughs> and yeah. then I thought, wouldn't it be funny if he was like, you're not dealing with Mick Foley anymore, you're dealing with Dude Love, and he just starts dancing. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And Ambrose is like, "What the fuck? What, what the hell? <laughs> what do I do?" And Mick's aggressively, like, yeah. aggressively dancing at him. <laughs> he's, just, he's just dancing all around him. He's like, "What? What? <laughs> what do I do? How do I beat this guy?" <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> that's that's. For anybody wondering what next week's booking is going to be, <laughs> that aggressive dude love. It's going to be me rebooking dude love as a guy who just who he's he's a dancer, not a not a fighter. And he never <laughs> fights. He never fights anybody. He just dances and confuses anybody. <laughs> anyway, all with the show. Anyway, Ambrose replies, "Oh, so you're gonna do it from your live satellite feed, Mick? Is that what you're gonna do? You're gonna reach through that Titantron and grab me by my neck, and then 
entrance music plays through the PA system. It's not McFoley's familiar entrance music, but a musical arrangement that hasn't been heard since No Way Out 2000. Ah, Dean it. Ambrose smiles in utter joy as he sees who makes their way through the curtain. It's Cactus Jack. Oh, <laughs> Fuck. You fucking called it. <laughs> you hug it, we ha- you had to do it. Oh, dude, it, 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 it had to do it. it. Yeah, I, yeah. Absolutely had to. It just made sense, it's, right? Exactly. Uh, and, like, Cactus Jack, Deathmatch Wrestler against uh, Dean Ambrose, Deathmatch Wrestler. It just fucking makes exactly. sense. Exactly. Right? So, Cactus Jack runs down the ring, and oh boy, do Dean and Jack start brawling. They brawl all over the ring, ringside, throwing each other into the steps, suplexes on the ramp. Steel chairs are brought out, two by fours are brought out, and it's only when they start brawling into the crowd that security are sent down to break them up. After all, these men are so fueled with bitter hate that they really can't be trusted to ensure fan safety. Something's got to give, so you get ten security guards and Cactus Jack and ten and Dean Ambrose. The men are shouting threats at each other despite being pulled further and further apart. Ambrose spits at Cactus. Cactus manages to get close enough to throw one more slap to Ambrose's face and then they are finally fully separated. The segment ends there, but oh lord, Dean Ambrose has awoken the Kraken that is Cactus Jack. He done fucked up. So next week, Cactus Jack appears in front of the Monday Night Raw crowd. He talks about how good it was to finally get a piece of Dean Ambrose last week and well... He wants more. Cactus Jack says he knows Dean doesn't want a match. He just wants to hold him accountable. But Cactus asserts that the only way Dean can get his hands on him now is in a match. Because Cactus wants to do this on his own terms. He doesn't want Ambrose showing up at his house. He doesn't want Ambrose blindsiding him in the parking lot. He wants Ambrose face to face in the middle of the ring. It's his only terms. Other than that, he won't allow anything must go, so to speak. So Ambrose comes out and says, Whatever, Mick. I'll do the match. I've softened to the idea of kicking your ass and holding you accountable in front of the whole world. In fact, I want the biggest audience possible, so why don't we just do this at SummerSlam? No holds barred, no DQ, no nothing. Just Dean Ambrose putting down the so-called legend Mick Foley or Cactus Jack or whatever stupid moniker you want to go under. And Cactus Jack smiles in the ring and immediately agrees. But wait, there's more. Suddenly, to the delight of Dylan, the entrance music of acting general manager Triple H hits the PA <laughs> and out comes the game to set the score here. But he's got like the soup coming out of his mouth and Triple <laughs> Stephanie's like... <laughs> Stephanie's like, him in a wheelchair. Yeah, <laughs> Stephanie's like dabbing his, his chin with a napkin. Triple <laughs> <laughs> oh, H. <laughs> it was a great joke. It is a great joke. It's uh, it's terrible, but it's great. Yeah. Um, I don't think Triple H was like the general manager around this time, but he was definitely setting matches as part of the authority and stuff. So, um, yeah. I, I know for damn sure it wasn't the fucking anonymous raw general manager. Good lord. What if um, it was but- Todd Grisham? What's <laughs> the general manager Todd Grisham? Yeah. Why didn't they ever do that? The most unauthoritative like authority figure ever. <laughs> I would listen to him. He's I just a little dude in glasses. That's that's what he is. Just like me, I can. Just see like it. you, you're I a little dude in glasses. I see yeah. a lot of myself in Todd Grisham. That's it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's my hero. He's, he's, you're the second coming of Todd Grisham. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever yeah. that means. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but hey ho. Um, 
Triple H, he has a bomb to drop. Dean Ambrose and Cactus Jack may want to fight each other, but there's no easy way to say this. Mick Foley is not medically cleared to compete at WWE SummerSlam. Barry. There we go. Too many injuries over the years, and at the age of 47, Foley is only becoming more fragile, so Triple H cannot in good faith sanction this match to go ahead. On top of that, he knows how vicious this feud has been, and how much these two men want to tear each other limb for limb, so once again, he cannot in good faith sanction this match. And also, he himself has history with with Cactus Jack, and knows exactly the kind of levels he will sink to in order to eradicate Dean Ambrose, so there's a lot of red flags here, which can only mean one thing. Cactus Jack and Dean Ambrose can have their match at SummerSlam, but... It will be unsanctioned. Yes. WWE will take no ownership of what happens in that match. And Mick Foley and Dean Ambrose will have to sign paperwork to officialise that. Foley and Ambrose agree immediately. Foley wanted a match with Ambrose and this sort of is. And Ambrose didn't really want a match with Foley, but which is fine because it also sort of isn't. So, hey, we're all set. The Ultimate Showdown is now officially unofficial. It's Dean Ambrose, Cactus Jack at Summer Slam Bury. So we get to SummerSlam Bree, and hey, go, going back to what was planned in real life, um, this feud was set to culminate at SummerSlam. In Moxley's book, he mentions that it was meant to meant to end in a big cage slash gimmick match. Um, now, I personally don't think a cage match would fit this story. Um, these guys want to kill each other; they need the whole arena. So hopefully, an unsanctioned match is kind of fairly faithful to the original idea, but... What if the, what if the cage was on fire? Uh-huh. <laughs> a fire cage. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, yeah, the, the, the good old Inferno cage. Yeah, yeah right there, fire yeah. cage, yeah. yeah. And then if um, if they didn't win in 15 minutes, the, the ring explodes. But it... Oh, right. But, yeah. it, but, and, 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 but it really and, and, explodes. Like, not... Yeah. Not just, like, some sparklers. Not fucking Tony Khan's sparklers, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sparklers. <laughs> And, and the cage is also electrified, right? So yes. It's, 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 it's an electrified, exploding, uh, infernal Fire cage. Fire cage match, yes. Yeah, basically, yeah. So, yes. cool. All right, with, all right. With, all right. with thumbtacks. Right. It's Mick okay, Foley. Okay. He's always got the thumbtacks. Book it like Russo was a few episodes Fuck, we, ago, yeah. right? Why did we not put this in Book It Like Russo? <laughs> I'm pretty sure I did at one point. I, I, I remember booking... Remember Shark Boy? Yeah. Uh, appearing, like, just... The like, ludicrously like ridiculous cage match. I can't remember exactly what it was, it was but something, it was something like, that. like that. Yeah, Booker like Russo two, I think. I don't know. Anyway, so everybody uh, else go but, back and listen to Booker like Russo and then tell us what it is. Exactly. Listen to all of them and let us know which one it was. Mm-hmm. I'm, I think it was two, but hey ho. Um, where was I? So yeah, but yeah, SummerSlam, Ambrose versus Cactus, unsanctioned. Now, obviously, this match would be a fucking war. Um, I'm talking tables, I'm talking barbed wire, I'm talking thumbtacks, glass, the dudes getting thrown through crowd barriers, making holes in the stage, you name it. Electrified barbed wire fucking fire cages. Um, it'll be a war. But perhaps surprisingly, in the in the final twist for this feud, I guess, I'd have Cactus Jack win. Ooh. And I'd have him go over Ambrose. Now, Cactus would get a little bit of help from an interfering Terry Funk who appears so that he can get his own back in Ambrose. So he'll power drive Ambrose which will lead into a Cactus Jack double arm DDT finish. Cactus Jack is victorious in the unsanctioned match. Dean Ambrose has been defeated. 
And there's a couple of reasons for Dean Ambrose, the up-and-coming star, not getting the win here. So first off, this way, Dean Ambrose gets a rub from basically the two biggest hardcore legends in wrestling, if you don't count Steve Blackman. And Stevie um, Richards. But, and Stevie Richards, of course, former, former hardcore two, champion Stevie the Richards. The two Steves. The two Steves, yeah. <laughs> oh, i got to write that down, i got to remember that. <laughs> the next tag team. But, but on top of that... It's what I feel is best for Ambrose's character at this stage. I mean, let's be honest. This loss will not humble him at all. He'll still be angry. He'll be angrier, which will drive him to take out his anger on someone else in WWE, continuing to wrestle for the company henceforth. So I'd have Ambrose win his next feud, undoubtedly, but this one goes to Foley. He's given Ambrose plenty in this feud after all. And hey, this would probably be Mick Foley's last match. He never wrestled again after this point in 2012, so he gets to end his career with one big bang and not have his last run be in, like, 2010 TNA. Um, but, yeah, there we go. That's the booking. Okay. So, first of all, um, I like McFoley. So, Bryce knows this, so I think that... I, I assume that you know that I also like Dean Ambrose, John Moxley. You're a big fan, yeah. Yes, definitely, yeah. So, you know, this is this is like the total opposite of you booking the Miz as a zombie. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually two of the guys you like. Yeah. This is two of the guys that I rate very, very highly, and <laughs> the, you know, no offense to the Miz rebooking, but I like this a lot more. The Miz booking had zombies, but this one has no Miz, so and no zombies. <laughs> and Dean Ambrose and McFoley. So exactly. we're getting into good territory right off the bat. The barbed wire bat, that is. Now, hey. <laughs> now when you start it off, <laughs> there's always jokes in this show. Uh, you get one. You get one per show. <laughs> <laughs> one joke. It's never usually a good one. <laughs> <laughs> this one was good. Yeah, that was all right. And the yeah. Cripple H one from last week, that was good. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> so I really liked... The way you you started it off where you brought in a little angle that was in Ambrose's book yes. about Ambrose attacking Mick Foley. And you kind of elaborated more on it yourself, but Am- Ambrose attacks Mick Foley and attacks him with, and hits him against the car, mm. smashes him into the windscreen. I'm like, that's a great visual. Obviously, like you can see why they didn't do it because, you know, I think that would have looked cool as heck but also like 2012 like you said Mick Foley getting on a bit yeah maybe not the best idea however for a fantasy booking perfect right that's it you can great take way to, like that yeah exactly great way to start the show off because now you're like whatever comes after this is going to be you know equal or greater than that you know yeah. set us a bar exactly that's the phrase I was looking the for the barbed bar yeah that's two if you count that one, I don't know if you will count that one. Nah. Let the fans decide. Um, I like how you're you're making parallels between McFoley and Dean Ambrose, and you know, and this is what the feud was going to be about, I imagine. But you can see McFoley being like, "Oh, I, 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 I'm just nice old McFoley," and Dean Ambrose is like, "No, you're mm. the reason I'm like this. You're the reason all these other people are like this. You're the reason the kids went to hospital. You know, you need to." I, I'm like this because of you I, and other people like me. All the other deathmatch wrestlers were all because of McFoley, you know, yeah. trying to put the blame on him, um, which is an interesting angle. 
you know, not necessarily true, but it it, it has enough truth to it. We yeah. could buy into it. I like how really early on you laid out that Mick Foley wasn't going to come out of retirement because you know that that means Ambrose is going to have to go out of his way. Yeah. You know, every once you lay that in straight off the bat, Ambrose is like, all right. He's like clicking his fingers. He's like, watch this, you know. Poke the bear. Yeah. Exactly. He's like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to find different ways. And then you did that. You escalated it. You know, you got Terry Funk in there and then his family. And then that's, and you also laid in, you know, the, the truth about Mick Foley backstage um, talking to Dean Ambrose about yeah. don't mention my family. You worked that into the storyline. We already now from just the basic catch up, we have laid the groundwork that Mick Foley doesn't like bringing his family into this. So you're like, yeah. well, that's the best place to do it. That's exactly, <laughs> exactly. what you do. I really like the Terry Funk thing because that, that's a smart move. It's got history. It makes sense. And let me tell you, Bryce, getting the plant and having uh, Dean Ambrose beat up the plant acts that I was so It's a really good idea that I came up with, right? I would yeah, never have thought of that. That's a really good ne- idea. No. <laughs> I'm really good. I'm, I'm very good. Yeah. <laughs> you're, too, you're too good. Yeah, it's me. <laughs> you know, so yeah, I really like that the, the family thing. Even though Ambrose didn't actually do anything to his family. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, you've got that creepy vibe there where, like, Ambrose has come to your house. He's seen your family. You know he's up to something, and you know it's that it's almost he... like yeah, it's almost like the um the the first sequences of what's it called? Cape Cape Fear is it with um Nicholson? And he's like stalking the family a little bit, but he's like in plain sight. It's isn't that the is it De Niro? Uh, oh fuck, De, De Niro. Yeah, is it De Niro? I think it's De Niro. Oh, it's, 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 it's Nicholson, isn't it? Oh, I gotta look that up. Who's, pause, who's pause in the show. Two hours later. De Niro. Oh, it's De Niro. It's De Niro. Fair play. Yeah. I thought it was Nicholson. Fair you're, enough. You're I'm thinking, not, I've not seen that film in years. <laughs> you were thinking of the Batman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's basically. Um, but, but my point remains the same. <laughs> yeah. Essentially, yes. Like, you, it's creepy that yeah. he's there. And him not doing anything to the family is creepier. Yeah. Because you're like, well, what, what's, what is he going to do? You know what I mean? Like, you've laid that kind of groundwork there. That he's element. unpredictable, yeah. Yeah, so like it kind of builds up, and you can see why these guys would want to fight. And you know, I, I I guess I call it in the show, but like the Cactus Jack bit, you have to do it. It made sense, right? That's just the way that that character has been uh, established over the years. Is that Cactus Jack is is the worst side of Foley? Yeah, like that's whatever Cactus Jack comes out, shit's going down. So like that's unless it's unless it's dude love aggressively dancing down the ramp, the dancing, yeah. yeah, and he's great at dancing. You know? He's so good. Yeah. He's one of the best. But like that makes sense. I like that. I also... Now, whenever you said you would have Mick Foley go over, I, like many of the other listeners, I imagine, were like, what? what? But, then, but then you said something that I'm like, all right, I agree. You've changed my mind. Which is not not the bit about Mick Foley. You know, I mean, I guess he does deserve a win. That's nice for him to go out and top. But, like, you know the rest in business. That's not always the way it works. Yeah. But the bit where you said having Dean Ambrose lose would make him angrier because yeah. he knows that he's never going to be able to, like, avenge that loss. He'll never get mm-hmm. that loss. He'll never be able to get another win over Mick Foley to even the odds. So now you've got a really pissed off Dean Ambrose, which, as we know now from having seen John Moxley, a very pissed Dean Ambrose is, is a very scary thing. 
I'm like, all right, that like that key, that sentence like seals the deal. That's a very key sentence. And and if you establish that, this much more angry and violent Dean Ambrose after the McFoley feud, then you've got a winner on your hands, you know? That's it, he's gonna take it out on someone else and whoever that next victim's gonna be is fucking screwed. So Exactly. Yeah. So like that may, that shit he's makes got sense. A pring, pringle sized chip in his shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. Um is that the biggest chip it's quite a big crisp it's pretty it? big Pringles. yeah i was trying to think are of doritos like, bigger than mm-hmm. i would say pringles have you bigger. have you have you tried those fucking like what's this which are like super size what's yeah this? they're there's, fucking great they're so good but i had the the spicy ones like the, the hot yeah ones. the hot and spicy there's, ones there's prong there's prong cocktail ones as well they're like, so, so nice. good they come yeah. in a big ass fucking bag Anyway, Listener, so. listeners, let us know. Have you tried to make what's this? Guys, let us know. What's the biggest crisp? <laughs> what's the biggest crisp? In your opinion, what's the biggest crisp? I would say Pringle is probably bigger than the Dorito. Uh, yeah. yeah. Unless you got a big Dorito, that's the thing. But Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, well, let us know, listeners. Let us know. Yes. Anyway, I, uh, so it was a very good rebooking. Thanks. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, like I said, it's one I've been planning for a very long time, and uh, reading reading that book kicked it all into life for me. So um, yeah, if you want to read that book, it's a uh, it's called Mox. It's available in all good bookstores, and it's a bloody a bloody good read. But hey, we're not done yet. We've got something else to do here. So um, how about we uh, move on from the rebooking? And, and we live we... read John Moxie's book right here on Mega K-Vape. That's a great idea, Bryce. Perfect. Let's do it. Let's go and play K-Vape Tombola. What? That's <laughs> not what I said. All right, K-Fabers. It's that special time of the week where we play a little game called K-Fabe Tombola. If this is your first Making Kayfabe episode, welcome. Thanks for listening. It's great that you're here. Let me explain the rules of the Kayfabe Timbola minigame to you. We have here four random wrestlers n- numbered one to four. We have four random scenarios lettered A to D. These are submitted by one of our fine listeners every week. Dylan here, since he hasn't hosted the episode this week, will choose one random number letter combination, so like a 1A or a 3C, and then he'll have 60 seconds ish to improvise the greatest storyline of all time with the subject and scenario he is given it's always good fun and mate i've got a belter for you this week um the only context you need is that it was submitted by tyler mortimer uh our good friend (laughs) (laughs) so you know it's gonna be a good one (laughs) oh no Tyler, of course, of Book It Late Russell fame and... An incredible artwork. Episode artwork fame, yeah, that's what I meant to say. And um, also the the worst heavy beer champion of all time. Uh, He is at dyslexic underscore tweets on Twitter. We went to the Rev Pro show last weekend. Had a good time. Was it good? Yeah, had a great time, yeah. Yeah. Was Stevie Richards there? He was not, no. Um, no, It's actually, the main event was meant to be Will Ospreay versus Minoru Suzuki, right? And Minoru Suzuki... Will Ospreay yeah. had to pull out, and I was thinking, wouldn't it be fucking great if Steve Richards just came <laughs> in here right now and like beat Minoru Suzuki? But never happened. Uh, I had so. heard, I saw that, like, because I knew you guys were going to the show, and then I, I saw online that Osprey was sick. And I'm like, oh, I wonder, is he going to be at the show that Bryce is going to? Yeah, you know, um, who who replaced him? It was uh, Michael Oku, um, one of the um, kind of like ref ref pro guys, but he um 
Oku wrestled in the first match of the show and he says like I'm going to take on Mariel Suzuki in the main event so he wrestled twice on the same show but he's very very good um, he's, he's not a name I know much about but very very impressed by him Michael Oku so look him up that's that's good work being on the the opener and the main event against Suzuki <laughs> you know it's good, good shit man <laughs> but I oh, had a very good time uh, met a lot of nice people um, including the, the lovely Mona who submitted a Timbola for next week so that'll be fun uh, but as a total aside just while we're on the topic, um, you need to check out Aussie Open versus Velocities um, from that show. Um, fucking insane match. Like, match of the year. Like, one of the best best matches I've ever seen. Just absolutely unbelievable. But Oh, really? Yeah. Better than Dana Brooke versus Tamina Snooker? Well, not quite. I don't know if that happened, but I, I can only imagine that that it, did happen. It does not point. quite reach the dizzying heights of Dana Brooke versus Tamina Snooker, but it's close, you know? Well, what could possibly be that good? What could possibly... Exactly. So, anyway... Stop stalling, Dylan, goddammit. What's your number letter combination? Can I stall for just a little bit longer? <laughs> You're not even heard what it is yet. <laughs> I know, but I love stalling. The you stalling know, you comes know this after when you try to think of an idea. <laughs> I, You know me, I love doing it to begin with. That's it, I that's just it. Love right, what you got? I love fucking stuff up. I want to go for 4A. 4A. Because I feel, I feel like that's a combination we never go for. Yeah, we've not got a name for that. We've got like we have a bunch the, of other ones. Yeah, yeah, the the, the gorillas, gorillas, one, the, uh, Dudley the, boys, the, the old Dudley boys one, mm-hmm. the the old the old Shakespeare, the two B or not to be. So, yeah, we got a couple, yeah, but no, nobody nobody ever nobody, nobody ever goes for four A. So I'm like I'm nobody gonna sh- ever goes. I'm gonna shake things up. All right, four A is a good choice. So do you want to know who you could have got? Yes, you could have got John Cena's invisible half brother, Invisible Stan. Is that? Is it canon that they're brothers? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, like They both have powers of invisibility, so I guess. Well, little Jimmy, is he a brother? Because he's invisible too. Who's little Jimmy? Oh, you probably haven't seen him. You didn't get Invisible Stan. You didn't get Maki Ito. <laughs> okay. Tyler simps for Mackie also yeah. hard. Yeah, I'm not surprised she, she's in this one. Uh, you could have got, funny we just spoke about him, but Will Osprey. Oh, okay. You didn't get Will Osprey. Alright. You got, my friend, you got, for this Kay Pearson Bola, you got somebody we've already booked before. You got Warhorse. <laughs> okay. Good old Warhorse. Warhorse. Oh, I hope he, I hope he ignores all the artwork on... on Twitter again. <laughs> I, I, I hope he never acknowledges us. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> that gonna be the booking. So put a good episode about him. Yeah, fa- thanks for putting hours. We're not better. We're not better. Um, but do I know who? Do I know what Warhorse is doing? Yes. Well, I'll tell you what he's not doing. Okay. Warhorse is not creating a tag team with Naked Midian, except every time they win, he gets an item of gear from his opponent. <laughs> He puts it on? Yeah, so like Nicky Midian, whenever they beat somebody, Nicky Midian takes like an elbow pad and then okay. like, I don't know, like a, yeah, but you I, didn't get that. I like how Nicky Midian goes for elbow pad first and not like. <laughs> he's not fucking, he's cocking balls for yeah. hanging like fully no, no, out. Elbow pad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you didn't get that. You could have got Warhorse start streaking across the ring during right to censor matches. Naked Midian and then also streaking? 
He's very into nudity today. Um, Tyler. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> What's he like? If I'd have got um, Maki Ito with some of these weird naked ones, like, come on, yeah. dude. What are you thinking? <laughs> that's, that's, we're um, not be booking like fever dreams for you here, man. That's. <laughs> gets better. Um, <laughs> you could have, you could have got Warhorse brings back a PC version. Uh, he puts in brackets here, sex positive, not slut shaming, version of the Ho Train. <laughs> if Makahito had brought back the Ho Train, I'm like, come on, dude. <laughs> now that, version that's, as well, yeah. that's your fever dream. Yeah. That's Tyler. <laughs> that's that's Tyler's so ultimate his fantasy, fan fiction. Yeah. That's his fan fiction. <laughs> Part seven of he, the he, Makahito fan fiction. He's very upset he didn't uh, pick that one, yeah. I would have fucked it up. I would have made it not sexy at all. <laughs> that was unsexy thing. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Do you want to know what you got? <laughs> yeah. What naked guy have I got in this one? You've got <laughs> Warhorse is naked. No, he's not. Um, Warhorse joins a faction made entirely out of competitive eaters and challenges the whole roster to a hot dog eating contest or sausage fest domania slam. Challenges the whole roster? The whole roster to a hot dog eating contest, aka Sausage Festomania Slam. Okay, I'm just writing this down. So um, I'll say that again for the listeners at home. So the listeners at home. There, there's everyone's at fucking home. What if they listen to it at the gym or while they're running? Well, or in you space? say that when there's a fucking studio audience though, right? It's, it's that's why you say it. But um Warhorse joins a faction made entirely out of competitive eaters and challenges a whole roster to a hot dog eating contest. And what's what's the name of it? Sausage Festomania Slam. Sausage Festomania Slambery. Rolls off the tongue. Slambery, hey! <laughs> I don't... How could he forget? How could he forget? No beret in the end. No. It's long enough. I'd like a hot dog, please. Hold the beret. Yeah. <laughs> Breeze and ingredient as no, well. Right? No, no brie for uh, me, please. I'm, I'm breeze t- cheese. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Stop. Stop stalling. God damn. <laughs> All right. Let's just. Are you ready to rock and roll? Yeah. Let's do it. All right. Let's do it. So, Dylan, you've got sixty seconds ish to rebook Warhorse joining a faction made entirely out of competitive eaters and challenging the whole roster to a hot dog eating contest. I'm gonna count you down in three, two, one. Let's get hot dogging. So, <laughs> I didn't expect that. That's not fair. So, Warhorse. 55 seconds left. Son of a. Start it again. You made me laugh. 50 seconds left. Oh, come on. So, Warhorse joins this faction with all the competitive eaters, such as Viscera, who loves hot dogs, ah. and Naked Midian, who he's pretty. You can see why he loves hot dogs. <laughs> and so, and Makito, because she got to put her in there somewhere, right? And so they're all like, we love hot dogs. And Warhorse is like, all right, guys, we got to take this to the next level. We can't just go around and rest the matches. We got to challenge everybody in this goddamn locker room to a hot dog eating contest. It's the only way for us to make ourselves look like the top dogs ah. in the roster. And ah. So he comes out to the ring and he says, hey, guys, because that, that's how he talks. He's like, hey, guys, I'm Warhorse. And here's the thing. <laughs> We're going to challenge everybody to a hot dog eating contest he right here in uh, wherever time we're in. And the whole crowd pops. They're like, yeah, we love hot dogs. And so they have the four guys 
Uh, Nick Midian, Viscera, Makito, and Warhorse against the rest of the roster. You know, all the other guys. And it's Sausage Vestomania, Slammery. So they're all eating like hot dogs. And then Warhorse, eats, he puts like 15 uh, hot dogs in his mouth at once. And uh, he's declared the winner. And so Warhorse's faction wins. They're the top hot dogs. That's it. They're the top hot dogs. That's the one. Like top dogs, yeah. Yep. That's, uh, yeah. Uh, that's very good. That's very, very good. You've, uh, <laughs> you, you took that idea and ran with it like, yeah. completely, yeah. <laughs> what am I fucking supposed to do with it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they challenge him to hot dog eating contest. It's very specific. And then yeah. what? <laughs> yeah. I challenge you, okay. <laughs> I, I, I especially like how Warhorse speaks. Uh, hey guys, hey, I'm Warhorse. Yeah. Hey, hey guys, oh, hey, hey guys, hey, hey guys, guys, I'm Warhorse. I'm Warhorse. Welcome <laughs> to my YouTube show. So, <laughs> please don't tease me. <laughs> Very good. Um, thanks to Tyler for submitting that again. Go and follow him at dyslexic underscore tweets on Twitter. If you go back and uh, find his um, artwork he did for the Cody Rhodes episode last week, he's wanting to, he's wanting that retweeted so the Cody Rhodes can actually see it. So go onto his profile, retweet that tweet, get it in front of Cody Rhodes so we can see that fucking awesome artwork. But yeah, go and follow him on Twitter and um, let's wrap up this show. Also, draw him like fan art of Makito and send it to him. Yes. Yeah. I think Tyler's done enough drawing for us, so it's only fair that we get our fans. We gotta to draw get everybody him. else to yeah. draw pictures of Makito. Tasteful pictures. Nice don't, Tasteful. No ho trains. Don't yeah. be weird. But be no nice nudity. about it. Exactly. Exactly. So if um, you guys can do that. If you guys uh, are doing that, draw us some pictures of Viscera for Bryce. Yeah. Oh I'd love that. Yeah. Yeah. I would love that. That'd be great. And then draw, draw some pictures of the Miz for Dylan. No, um, no, no. You so said the- you didn't say Stevie Richards' name correctly. You said something else. So you did. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Just forget. Stevie, was- Stevie Misters. Okay. Don't. Um, don't. So- no. Why? Why would you associate those two wrestlers? They're not even close to being similar. Let's wrap up the show. Bah. Bah. <laughs> Hey, that was Making Kayfabe, Season 6, Episode 3, when Foley met Ambrose. Hope you enjoyed it, Kayfabers. If you did enjoy the show, tweet about it, man. Like, Instagram it, send us a message, leave a five-star review, or a thumbs up, or subscribe, or whatever. Talk to us, we're very lonely. If you didn't enjoy the show, then hey, thanks for listening anyway, but don't feel like you have to leave a review or anything, it's okay. Um, Kayfabers, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram, at Making Kayfabe. Want to send in a kayfabe timbola or suggest an upcoming booking? You can DM us there or email makingkayfabe at gmail.com. We do have a Patreon page where you can support us and get access to exclusive fantasy bookings for as little as £5 per month. Right now, there are 17 exclusive bookings that you haven't heard yet. I believe our John Morrison rebooking is going to land over the weekend. So um, you can find us there at patreon.com forward slash making kayfabe. 17 bookings, £5. It's a fucking bargain. Patreon.com forward slash making kayfabe. Dylan is back with episode four of season six next week. And my friend, do you have any clues for our listeners as to what this may entail? I think this person has been requested before. They have. People have asked for this person before. It's It's been a popular popular topic and this person actually has has been well talked about has trended on twitter before uh it's very popular and successful yeah yeah i'd say so and i was because you know they've trended on twitter they're kind of recent let's let's put it that way they're not you know i'm not rebooking steve austin right here i'm talking about somebody a little bit more recent a little bit more 
current. So I wonder if uh, if if that's enough clues. I think that's a, that's a good few that's a good few clues. We can see um, so every um, every week we put in a Twitter page and the chance for you guys to guess what the next episode is. So keep an eye on making kayfabe on Twitter and you can guess what Dylan's going to be booking next week. But hey, we're done. We love you all. Thanks for listening. Your support is paramount to the success of this show. We'll be back next week for some more fun, epic making KFA fantasy booking. But until then, folks, take care, stay safe, and always be KFA Ben. Goodbye. Goodbye.